Hi, I'm Mark Squark, CEO of Simplence Augmented Reality, and you're listening to Paul, the App Guy. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I am your host, it's Paul Kemp. I'm thrilled today because uh, it really is one of the big themes from this show. If you're a long-time listener, one of the Appster tribes listening to this show from uh, many moons ago, you'll know that the big theme is about uh, solving real problems in the world, You know, creating apps that actually do something that solve problems rather than just trying to do copycat uh, apps or, or apps that just have a, a particular purpose for you but don't seem to then have a market so uh, I really am thrilled that I got the, our next guest uh, on uh, his name is uh, Neil Wilkins and he is the founder of uh, Viber Marketing uh, Neil I'm, I'm just thrilled that you could join us on the App Guy podcast oh, it's a pleasure no looking forward to that. yeah so uh, well first of all we had a little pre-chat and uh, you said some words that were just magic to me my ears which, which uh, is around you know creating um, solutions to problems rather than um, actual creating products. Perhaps you can just like, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a really key thing. I mean, I, I know when people uh, come up with the next big idea, or at least they believe they have got the next big idea, um, they're sort of forging ahead with, you know, enthusiasm and drive and almost sometimes become sort of quite blinkered with the technology they're developing, the app they're building, or the, you know, kind of things that um, are very sort of product driven, uh, and often lose sight of the fact that at the end of it, they're going to need to actually market and sell this uh, concept to uh, an end user or a customer. And I think for me, the mantra that I've um, developed, you know, over quite a long period of time now, is this whole idea of putting the customer first. And I know that might sound a little bit of a cliche, but actually in your thinking, start starting with the development of a really, really clear persona of the customer that you're building this solution for. And then it does become a solution. It's not just about product features and benefits. And, you know, here, here I am compared to, you know, a competitor just down the road developing this. It's actually talking about a very specific solution that delivers some real value to a real live person. And I think certainly the, the apps and the solutions and the uh, kinds of new products that we're seeing introduced successfully these days, those are the ones who really do have a really clear grasp on their, their end user, their customer, even before they start to then actually develop the service. You know, Neil, I think people listening would actually be fooled to think that there's uh, a structure to my episodes because ironically, uh, two episodes ago, we had a chat to an app developer who'd spent a year developing a game, like a lot of uh, time, effort, money went into uh, the uh, particular game. Uh, and then it was a case of right now, I need a market for it. And uh, unfortunately, that particular uh, game I didn't do so well and, and, and didn't really attract the, the down, downloads and I'm I just I see so many of those particular examples where you know developers just throw themselves into a project spend a lot of time develop it and then they go seeking a market uh, I mean I'm guessing you must see quite a lot of that as well and you try and preach the opposite I do. And I mean, certainly what we tend to see is that we have to then almost pick up the pieces at the far end of the process so that when a um, either a sort of a solo entrepreneur or somebody who is, um, you know, in, in very much a sort of a startup kind of situation, 
they're almost ready to go for investment. They're looking for some seed investment or for some, you know, some launch investors, um, or they're some way actually into trying to promote the product when it's actually live, and just sitting there thinking, you know, why is nobody listening? Why is nobody buying? Um, and often then we then step in and say, well, look, okay, can you show us your marketing strategy? And they say, mm, what's that? Uh, and often then you know the light bulb comes on that, oh yeah, maybe I should have started to think about that earlier in the process. So we tend to have to pick up the those pieces and almost take them further back upstream a lot of the time and then obviously as I say the, the ones who are the most successful um, are typically the ones who did start that right at the beginning of their process so yeah we, we get to see this a lot of the time and as, as I say the ones who are succeeding the ones who are getting investment the ones who are really getting some traction as soon as they launch are the ones who really are putting those customers you know, very much at the front of their mind and they act as a filter um, to the person then who's developing the product, you know, would this particular target person, would they get this particular feature? Are they going to get a benefit from what I'm doing here? And if the answer is no, then that is obviously something not included in the product. So as they develop the technology or whatever it is they're creating, you know, this this whole idea of having almost this virtual customer sat on their shoulder um, is, is very much the voice of reason, if you like, and allows you to become, you know, so much more focused on relevant things that you're developing. Well, I must say, Neil, that the people listening right now, the apps to try, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are, are going to start giving themselves a bit of a hard time. It's, it's a tough pill to swallow, isn't it? Because uh, we do have people that have built these apps and uh, they're getting maybe a few hundred downloads per day, but uh, it's a free app. They're not getting much money from it. No one's buying the in-app purchases. Mm. You know, at what point, did, I know it's, it must be quite hard to answer this, but at what point do you just kind of say, right, I need to start again? Yeah, I think the point often sort of comes when you take the customer's perspective and almost you turn everything through 180 degrees and look back in on your own business and you look back in on the product that you've just developed. And when you look at it, you think, actually, there's, there isn't a logical process that I'm being taken through here. In other words, if I do a Google search and I just happen to fall upon your product, kind of what happens then? Where, where do I go? Where am I taken? And then what happens? You know, what is the process then for engaging with me? Um, and if the answer is, well, there really isn't a process, it's a little bit sporadic, it's a little bit random, um, you know, I do Google search, I find you, but then I'm not really quite sure what you want me to do. As a customer, that becomes a really confusing proposition. And often we see a big, big dropout in what we call the customer journey. So when you sort of sit back and you actually look at what you've got as an offer and you think actually there is no journey here it's a product there's a bit of social media over here there's a website over there but actually there's no integration and there is no logical flow of experience then you start to think actually i need to improve this so i think the concept that i sort of talk about there would be this this whole idea of having a customer journey literally from the very very first point in time that they hear about you and your product all the way through the process of engagement to converting them into a customer. It might be a trialist. They might just want to trial it for a month or something, or then actually parting with their credit card details to actually purchase. And then, really importantly, the journey has to then go onwards into the retention phase. In other words, you know, they're now a customer. What are you going to do with them? Because I certainly see a lot of opportunity, particularly in startups um, and new uh, sort of businesses, 
for actually really making the most value from the, the small number of people they get initially, because often those become the advocates. Those are kind of the loyal followers who, you know, almost will market on your behalf and really share the word and spread it, you know, to use Facebook speak, um, to spread the reach of, you know, the proposition that you have. But without a customer journey, it's very, very hard for the customer really to get what you're about. Neil, I'm all in on what you're saying, totally buying into everything you're saying. And I, I do feel it's it's fantastic advice. And for those listening, you know, really do heed these words because, I mean, there are, uh, you know, big publishers out there. We know that uh, a lot of the money goes to the top 50 publishers on the Apple App Store in particular. And so, you know, if they develop an app that is mediocre, they've got the benefit of like this huge marketing machine behind them. And, uh, you know, maybe they can make a good product a good app, um, marketable uh, through their just their sheer clout, market clout. But for many of the people listening, you know they're at that stage where they don't have the the clout of big companies, and then they need to do something different. So I'd love to kind of walk through with you almost what what people you know imagine an app developer what they need to be doing. I'm assuming it starts with telling the world a little bit about the the idea first and trying to get some buy in before then start to starting to flesh out the ideas and and then keeping the customer engaged along the way. Perhaps we can walk through this. Yeah, I think it's quite an interesting question because I think there could actually be a step just prior to that um, because to actually be able to take the customer through the proposition or the message or the marketing or you know details about the product itself, um, it's almost that you have to do the listening before you do the talking. Uh, much as you you know you might be turning up at a party or something like that generally what you do when you enter the room is you kind of look around you see who's in there you listen you work out you know the kinds of conversations that are going on you look and see who are the key influences in the room you might want to tap into them or avoid them depending on your own personal style but essentially what you're doing is you're, you're sort of creating um, almost a mental picture of the essence of that party and I certainly think with a successful marketing what it tends to be about is that listening first of all. In other words, what you're looking for is, can I spot any trends here? Can I spot opportunities that maybe competitors aren't really you know, servicing or, or solving for a customer? Can I actually create um, a, a pro, a, almost a really sort of you know, specific profile of the kinds of people I want to engage with? And that could be business partners, it could be resellers, or it could be end users. But very much listening to the, the kind of the style, the tone of voice, and, and just really getting a, a real feel for what would be acceptable because much as you go into this room with this party in the, in the real world, you know, if you just go in there with a completely inappropriate style or a completely inappropriate message, people are going to start to look you up and down and think, oh, you know, who, who's this person? Um, <laughs> you know me too well in the party, don't you? <laughs> well, absolutely. And I think it is all about that listening. So, you know, once you've sensed it, then you can adapt yourself accordingly. And, you know, the most successful marketers are the ones who are probably better listeners than they are talkers because what they do is they make sure that there's no wastage and by listening you really get to the heart of you know what's actually going to matter to your audience so i think that probably is the step that comes first yes yeah, so what i've learned from you there neil is that um, imagining that the metaphor of a party are our potential users on the app store and going in there you know the worst thing you can do is just walk into the party and tap somebody on the shoulder and say hello would you 
like to buy my app, please? And would you like these in-app purchases? Um, they, they don't know, like, or trust you. And uh, it's going to be a hard sell. Uh, what I'm getting from you is that you start from almost like my perspective, which is content marketing. You know, you put uh, content out there, you engage with these people, you be you get them interested in you and what you're doing. Uh, and then you ask them lots of questions about problems that they're having. I mean, we do that on this very show. And and then you get an idea of um, potential problems and then start to think about solutions and, and keep them engaged in that whole process. And I guess we do that digitally through uh, things like blogs, engagement, uh, going on to uh, crowdfund uh, sources like uh, Kickstarter, that that sort of thing. Is that kind of what, what, what you're getting at? Yeah, it is very much so because, I mean, certainly it goes without saying, I think, these days that um, conversation is everything. I mean, what, what we're not looking for from a marketing perspective any longer is, is monologue. In other words, you know, I'm going to sell you this message, you know, and you're going to want to buy. Um, it is very much more about, no, I've listened what, you know, to what you're saying. I've listened to the kinds of things that you're after. And now let's kind of explore the options here. Let's, let's talk about how you'd like it, the kind of flavor you'd like it in. So it becomes very much, yeah, two-way flow, very much a conversation. And I think think in terms of building that loyalty that I mentioned um, that that is you know in essence what we're trying to do here but at the same time not losing sight of the fact that you've got a target it might be a financial target it might be a, a market share target or it might be a target of breaking into a whole new marketplace and so there is kind of an objective view that sort of sits behind you and is constantly hopefully you know steering you and guiding you because again if you try and sort of do this you know, really actively and proactively, what you tend to find is it can take a huge amount of time. So what you don't want to be doing is spending all your time just having lovely conversations online and then losing sight. Actually, what you're trying to do here is develop a business. So I think there's a bit of sensibility here that says, okay, I want to do this stuff. I want to be very social and create a social business, but the essence is on business. What I need to make sure is that I'm fine-tuning those conversations such that I'm actually talking to the right people and not just anybody who will listen because um, one of the words I talk about uh, quite a lot is uh, the phrases I talk about is, is something called vanity metrics and that is where you look at you know the number of followers or the number of connections and you see big big numbers and you sort of sit back and you think hey I'm doing a really great job because I've got you know, 10,000 likes or whatever it happens to be and that actually isn't a very good measure for business because what it does it fools you into thinking you're doing a good job whereas that 10,000 actually only 10 people might be listening or 10 people might be conversing with you so I think a lot of the time you have to take that sense check that no it's a business can I prove that there's value in all these conversations and if you can then you're certainly on the right track yeah it almost reminds me of somebody came to me recently and said uh, you know would uh, would you like uh, the 24,000 followers you know and I can show you how to and I said I said just a simple reply saying you know if you can actually show me any one of those that will sell something that you're you're, you're selling and that they'll buy it then uh, I'm in but you know of those 24,000 I bet you nobody is listening to you and so uh, it's really good um, guidance I love the vanity metrics um, thing that you were talking about there and I just had an idea I'm really trying to help people out because again Listening to this show, I tend to get uh, developers who perhaps uh, don't have a big audience. And, you know, I'm, I'm worried that where we're taking them now on this discussion is that, that they'll go out, they'll start blogging, start trying to build up an audience, you know, to people that potentially could listen. 
but that takes a lot of time. Do you think it's worth doing some sort of joint venture with somebody who already has a, an audience and then bring in to the table the uh, the concept of trying to do an app for that audience? I think it is. I mean, certainly partnership is one of the key things, I think, that can fast track a good idea. Um, if, if you're trying to strive out there and do this alone, um, I was at a conference um, sort of last week and, and one of the key phrases that I picked up was the day of the lone wolf is gone. And uh, as a bit of a, an old sort of <laughs> lone wolf myself, I thought, you know, do you know that's absolutely right? Because any initiatives that we've done that have been really successful have typically been where we've kind of worked in partnership or we have some kind of affiliation with another organization rather than just striving ahead ourselves, thinking that we can do everything. And I think the beauty of taking that approach is that you can bring in specialist skills that maybe you don't have because, you know, we might be business generalists, but actually there'll be some things that we're not particularly strong at. So if you can forge a partnership with somebody who's either got a great audience that you haven't got or somebody who's got some technical experience that you don't really specialize in then you know i think it's going to be a win-win because you'll be bringing something to that relationship as much as taking from them so i think the key thing here is to work out you know in your own strategy where are the gaps what am i missing here and it could be a particular audience it could be a particular marketplace and see whether or not you can kind of forge relationships with as you say established people who can kind of almost sort of fill that gap for you. Yeah, actually, just talking about partnerships, I have uh, recently uh, engaged with a trusted partner relationship uh, for, for an app building a team that, that come together for startups. And uh, I like the idea because um, that they have agreed to potentially take equity stakes in the apps. Uh, and what I like about that is it aligns their interest with the uh you know, the client's interest, the person who's trying to get the app built. Because I see so many war stories out there where people have literally cried over their app developers. They've, uh, you know, they've had a really bad uh, experience. And uh, one of my favorite quotes from the show is recently where somebody said uh, that an app developer is a little bit like a plumber because when they get a new job that's already been worked on, they just, you know, complain about who, who did this last time. <laughs> so, uh, um, you know, there's two things we need to do before we uh, say goodbye to you, Neil. Uh, one is that um, we, we like to flesh out new ideas. Um, we, again, we're a bunch of indie app developers. We build stuff, uh, love new ideas. Uh, now, there's two ways of doing this. One is we can either just ask you straight up, do you have an idea for an app that um, you know has come from the conversations you've had in recent conferences? If so, great. If not, then I've got another way of fleshing this out from you. Well, I think it's quite interesting because at the moment, what, what I'm trying to do, certainly within my business, um, is, is to almost sort of kind of develop the skills um, that we've got and actually put those out through an app. So we're in the process of, of going through the launch of um, a marketing app um, called My Marketing Mentor. And um, the whole idea sort of behind that is very much matching a, a real live mentor who can obviously hold your hand and things if you've got issues or, you know, you need to plot your customer journey or something like that. Um, and then actually filtered content, because obviously the world is full of, you know, thousands of pieces of content that we get bombarded with every day. And so the idea of, of my marketing mentor is to kind of put the, the filtered content. So the one thing that you need to read this week um, alongside uh, some hand-holding from a real live mentor uh, and literally the, having the whole thing in the palm of your hand. 
So, you know, if anybody is interested in sort of trialing that service, um, certainly, you know, be more than happy to uh, to welcome anybody sort of into it to have a little look. Oh, that would be great. I mean, that sounds like an absolutely awesome idea because, you know, again, a lot of us listening are lone wolves in, in a way. And uh, you, you're right, you know, you just get bombarded, you get into your habits of where you need to get your uh, information from. And the thought, uh, and I think this actually came from the founder of Airbnb, a very popular app on the iPhone and Android, uh, it is that uh, we need now in our lives uh, people that will curate our lives almost for us. And that includes curating our information, especially marketing information that we, we receive so that we don't get distracted and we can focus and, and to have a mentor that actually maybe it's worth just going through how that would work then so the the app would you uh, be appointed a mentor or would you act as a mentor to someone else how does how does it work well i mean certainly there are the two options i mean the the whole idea really is that we're expecting it to be um sort of you know popular with um as you say lone wolves or people who you know they know a little bit about marketing but they probably haven't built the customer persona that i talked about they probably haven't plotted the customer journey and in some ways probably struggling a little bit they might understand the concept but understanding actually how to do it can often be you know a very difficult next step so the idea would be that um you know the marketer can almost kind of coach um, or sort of mentor you through that process and um, very much sort of oversee you know your progress and what you're doing and put, signpost you to you know resources that you might need to be able to do it um, so there's it's almost like having a sounding board if you like but they're in the palm of your hand so that you know you don't need to sort of be you know commissioning a consultant to come in and spend your absolute fortune you know prior to launch you potentially then have got this person you know, just almost sort of tucked away when you need them. So that's that's really how we're sort of positioning it. But I think at the same time, if, if somebody was coming through and saying, well, actually, do you know, I, I could actually do this mentoring because, you know, I'm experienced in this kind of thing, then, you know, we'd be delighted to have a conversation about them becoming a mentor. <laughs> Ironically, uh, it's only a few episodes ago that we had uh, Tony Stubblebine, the founder of Lyft, and they've pivoted recently to uh, implement a coaching aspect within their uh, app. It's one of my favorite apps. I use it all the time. And so ironically, I'm actually a coach on there now for uh, various things that I've been doing on, uh, on, on the Lyft app. Uh, and what I like about this whole concept, and I do think there's a lot of room, and especially, you know, this, this Lyft app is, is kind of like what you're talking about, but nothing to do with marketing. It's more life goals, you know. And, uh, mm. uh, and what I like about it is you get instant access to see the activity of your, uh, your student, uh, how, how they're getting on and uh, everything is done within the app so it's all c- communication within the app and and so there's nothing no physical meetings but it, of course it reduces the cost of uh, you know having a coach or a, a consultant as you say because uh, I remember getting a, a life coach uh, quite a few years ago and it was something like a thousand pounds and uh, you know yes. so it, it, it really is you know having apps and so the communication between the student and the mentor I'm guessing is within the app it is indeed, yes. It's a Skype kind of interface, um, but it actually keeps a, a record automatically of the time you spend in there. So if you happen to be a marketer who's going through their professional qualifications or looking to um, sort of be accredited, it will actually log your CPD points or your CPD hours. So, um, yeah, it automatically sort of tracks what you're doing. And there is then a, an archive of all the interactions you've had with your mentor. So you can click back in time to obviously double check, you know, the advice they've given or any links that they've sent to you and stuff. So, so yeah, it literally 
literally all, all contained within the app itself. Well, uh, I, I think you've actually found a, a really good idea that could be expanded upon. Uh, I do remember a, a great episode where we uh, talked to the, fa- uh, the writer, the author of um, Inside the Box, and he was talking about taking a really good idea and then applying it to other areas of uh, maybe your life or, or the market. And so, you know, your your, your app, uh, Tony Stubblebine's Lift app, I mean, all this stuff, could, I'm guessing there's a lot of room for these types of apps where you're bringing together someone who knows something and is an expert and somebody who needs guidance. And, you know, like, Absolutely. and I think the difference that you're offering is that if when you know there's a real person behind the messages, it's not just a robot or an automated mm-hmm. uh, emailing system, but there's a real live human being who is keeping you on point and keeping you accountable for you know actually doing the stuff that you're saying you're going to do. I think that makes a whole world of difference. So um, to those listening, if you want to write an app, uh, there you go. There's your idea. Just uh, think about it. Doesn't have to be marketing. It could be anything you know just giving up smoking <laughs> try, trying to exercise more whatever your life goals you know that bring the bring the two people together and uh and, and i think that's just there's so much room for that particular app oh right so the last thing then is neil we have to um try and figure out what great apps you have on your phone and uh i'd love to know you know one or two apps uh, on your smartphone if you've got it handy if you need to grab mm-hmm. it uh, that you can maybe recommend obviously you've uh, You've recommended my marketing mentor, uh, but uh, any other apps that uh, you could suggest to us? Yes, I mean, as I sort of look through my phone, I mean, obviously, I think like most people these days, there are literally hundreds in there. Um, I think one that really, for me, is quite key um, is Evernote. Ah, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, because it's just one of those things that it can be so many different things. And, you know, if I'm at play, it's got a part to play, you know, planning Christmas or, you know, the next big holiday. But it's also one of those things that, you know, very much. And actually what I did was develop um, the initial concept of my marketing mentor actually using Evernote. So, you know, multiple notes within there, just little sort of mind maps that I was drawing and, and, and literally just having, you know, in the palm of my hand, just the whole thought process downloaded because I'm not one uh, sort of for huge amounts of memory. So what I needed to do was make sure, you know, I'd literally captured as I went. So wherever I was, just being able to literally sort of capture and log those little thoughts and, and have it in some kind of structured way. And that's what I found with Evernote, because obviously then it syncs up with all my other devices. Then I can sort of come and go, you know, sort of um, wherever I need to be. Um, well, I have to say, Neil, services as I can. it is the most mentioned app on the show. And if anyone's listening and they want to make some money, if Evernote, if you ever get a chance to invest in Evernote, I do <laughs> highly recommend it. It's, it's literally mentioned almost every episode. It's one of those apps that is... It's phenomenally uh, useful and wa- wildly useful, but but you know what we didn't have never talked about. Why why not um, dig into this a little bit more? Is that how you use it? Because uh, I I noticed some really key features on the way I use it. I noticed uh, notifications uh, is is really key. That so you can send an email uh, to your Evernote, then uh, apply a notification, which would then uh, alert you to take some kind of action. So I like that feature. Uh, there's also this new clipper feature. I don't know if you've come across it where you can just mm. clip stuff and throw it in there. How, how Are you using some of those new features? Yeah, certainly um, sort of all of those. And um, the other one I think I really like, and I think it, it probably sort of comes full circle back to the our original conversation, which is about you know, using others as well to develop your idea. So I think this whole idea of 
being able to share individual notes within notebooks or sharing whole notebooks with other people who can also contribute in. So making it very much a collaborative um, app as opposed to just something that it's me and my ideas. Well, okay, it's me and my ideas, but it's also my ideas of my partner or a business partner or you know a third party who actually I'd like to invest in this and, and very much making things transparent. Because I think if you're developing a very much a social idea or a social business, well, let's practice what we preach and actually, you know, collaborate. Well, I think if there's indie app developers listening to this, the other takeaway is write any app that's a third party integration into Evernote and it surely will be successful. Maybe it's worth just taking a minute to explore the features within Evernote that are frustrating and could kind of do with some improvement is, is there anything you've you've uh, used on Evernote where you feel they could be doing it slightly better I think certainly when you look at the um the sort of the desktop version as it as it were I, th- I think you know to be honest that feels a very you know sort of simple straightforward kind of interface I think once you go to something like the iPhone version um I think having a, a an all-seeing all dan- all-seeing all-dancing um, dashboard at the front that is actually a lot more intuitive would be good. So I think any kind of sort of skin over the top of it that allows you to almost filter your priorities, I think could be a really useful thing because once you you create a lot of notebooks or a lot of notes within it, it becomes quite a hard thing to navigate, even if you're very familiar and using it all the time. So I think probably some kind of overarching um, sort of dashboard I think could be a very useful feature yeah I think that's a great idea I mean all the popular social media networks that I use are particularly uh, Twitter and Facebook and um, you know I use third-party apps because uh, the actual native app itself is just uh, painful to use and so uh, if you can reskin uh, Evernote's uh, front uh, UI the user interface then uh, I think that would be a great idea. You could almost like strip away everything you don't use, make it customizable. So, you know, right. the one thing you do repeatedly as you open Evernote, you know, in this third party app, it, you just re- do it. Uh, I think mm. um, maybe here's another idea. Sorry about this. It's uh, spurring on lots of ideas. We had a, a, a founder of uh, Flick. It's a button where you press it and it does one action on your phone. Imagine integration on that with uh, Evernote. So uh, the one action you typically do with Evernote, it it just uh, you know flies into action when you press this button. <laughs> That'd be really sweet. That would be, be so fast and efficient. Isn't it? Well, this episode is full of great ideas, Neil. What an inspiration! Uh, how best can we uh, reach out and connect to you? Just uh, anyone listening, all the show notes will be on theappguy.co episode one nine six. Just search for Neil Wilkins, uh, theappguy.co, and it will be uh, all links to the stuff we've mentioned and to that my marketing mentor and and to Viber Marketing. But uh, how, if um, people want to connect with you personally, how can, how can we do that? I think probably the, the quickest and easiest way is by traditional old email. Um, so it's neil, N-E-I-L, at vipermarketing.co.uk. I thought you were going to say uh, by fax. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> not quite <actually>. Or telex. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing. Uh, you know, whenever I say that, no one's ever yet said given a fax number. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, Neil, it's been a pleasure. So I've had so much fun talking with you. You've literally made so much sense throughout the whole thing. And I'm sure that there'll be people now, um, you know, just taking a bit of a rain check on what they're doing and making sure that uh, they... Uh, take your uh, heedance and advice and take it on board so thank you very much for sharing with us thank you